I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone. This is the D-Rays Bay Playoff Podcast Series. I'm Brett Rutherford here, and we've got a great episode for you guys today before Game 5 of the ALDS. Danny Russell and I got the chance to talk to Dan Shulman of ESPN Radio. He's been doing play-by-play for the series between the Rays and the Yankees, which goes to Game 5 tonight. So, without further ado, here is Dan Shulman. Dan, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Uh, it's been a really fun series. Rays and Yankees, you've been calling it on the radio uh, for ESPN Radio. What has impressed you most about this Rays team so far? Well, I'm very familiar with them. Uh, I'm also a Blue Jays broadcaster, so I saw a lot of them during the regular season, did their first round against Toronto, and now this round as well. What impresses me the most, guys, is how everybody on the roster contributes, how well the pieces of the puzzle fit together. I've said that you know, so many times. I'm sure my broadcast partners are, are rolling their eyes at me. You know, But they can have two or three right-handed bats to bring off the bench. They can have two or three left-handed bats to bring off the bench. Their bullpen is really good. And you look at what some of their complementary players have done. You know, The game that Michael Perez had, the two homers that Margot has hit in the postseason. You know, Pete Fairbanks getting two saves when 12 other guys got saves during the regular season. Um, I don't know that anybody uh, gets the most out of every corner of their roster as the Rays do. What's different about calling a Rays game when you have to, like the deep rosters? I'm, I'm imagining transitioning to a national broadcast ideal from after calling local Blue Jays games. Do you feel a need to explain who everybody is as there's so many moving pieces? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I think doing, you know, being familiar with the Rays uh, helps you call one of their games more than any other team. Like if my boss has called me in 20 minutes and said, hey, the Dodgers are playing in 30 minutes. Can you do a Dodger game? That would be easier to figure out than the Rays because you really have to understand how everybody works. You know, you have to understand that uh, even though Yarbrough is a lefty who only throws 87 because of that cutter changeup combo, he's he can be very good against right-handed batters. You have to understand what Mike Brasso can do for the team. You have to understand Brett Phillips's role on the team. So, yeah, I do spend a lot of time, not, not so much late in the series, but the first couple of games of the series, I do tend to give a little bit more background information. The average person listening to a national broadcast is going to know more about Mookie Betts or Aaron Judge than he's going to know about Manuel Margot or Mike Brasso or Joey Wendell but these are all good players, and, and it's my job to tell people about them. And, and I, I like telling the Rays story. I, I think they're a fascinating story. So, obviously, obviously, Dan, doing Blue Jays broadcast, you know how much fans are tied to their local broadcast, how much they, they enjoy listening to those games throughout what's usually a much longer regular season. So what's the biggest challenge in trying to cater to those same local fans who are now having to either watch or listen to a national broadcast? 
Um, well, it's, it's a great question. And, and um, I mean, you have to be neutral. Like I'm not pro Ray or pro Yankee. Uh, I think if anything, it's Blue Jays fans who get annoyed at me when I call Rays or Yankees <laughs> games because they don't like either one of those teams because they both inflicted pain on, on the Blue Jays fans over the years. So, um, I mean, I'm used to doing it. I, I've, you know, bounced back and forth between sports and national and local a lot over the course of my career. So, uh, you know, whereas if I'm doing a Blue Jays Rays game on Canadian TV, my home run calls a little bit different for a Blue Jay home run <laughs> than it is for a Rays home run. Now, if I'm doing Rays and Yankees on ESPN radio, again, I, it's 50 50. I, I try to give a, the same amount of information about each. I try to have the same amount of enthusiasm about each. Uh, and I, I think I do I, I, because I truly am neutral. I don't I don't root for anybody, um, you know, when I'm doing a national broadcast. So um it, it's it, it's a little different but it's something I, i've gotten used to over the years i'm interested in your perspective because so tonight with no games off we're going into game five and the starters are going to be cole and glass now cole on three days rest glass now on two days rest they're essentially doing their bullpen sessions in between starts how do you think that's going to go i i think it's a different case i i think three is different than two um you know, Cole skipped his side session. Everybody knew that if the series went five, Cole was going to start game five on short rest. And he's never done this before. But I think if he's on and if he's efficient, he's perfectly capable of going six or seven innings. He's not going to go nine, I don't think. Though that doesn't happen anymore like it used to in the old days on short rest. <laughs> but um, I think if, if he's good, he's perfectly capable of going six or seven. Last now on two days rest, and it's funny, we've had Zoom sessions with Kevin Cash every day, and every day he says, Last now tells me he wants to pitch today, like he wants to start, like even day game <laughs> three, the day after his start. Um, so I, I think, you know, Glass now says he feels great. He's obviously got the right attitude. They could have picked Snell, right? Snell would have been on three days rest. Yeah. But obviously, and I haven't Zoomed with Kevin yet today, we'll do that a little bit later. There was obviously a reason they picked Glass now whether they think he bounces back better or just whether they think he's better suited to handle the Yankee lineup, you know, might be that he's a righty and, and you know, the Yankees are so heavily loaded with right-handed batters, but I, I think glass now can go out there and be very fit and, you know, very good. I don't see him, but if he's good and Cole's good, Cole's going to be in the game longer. I think the Rays mm -hmm. are going to need a little bit more out of their bullpen, but the good news for them is Anderson and Castillo and Fairbanks. None of them pitched in game four. So instead of maybe only getting three outs from each, you know, you guys know Kevin Cash as well as I do, you could see four, five, six outs out of each. So mm -hmm. I, I think if the Rays can get a really good four to five innings out of glass now, I think they'd be happy with that. If he only goes two innings, what odds would you put on seeing Morton getting called in? That, that's a good question because it could be Snell too. Um, uh, you know, Morton is older and he had a shoulder issue this year and it's only one day rest i don't think you'd see morton for very long and you wouldn't see him to get out of a jam like say glass mm -hmm. now gets in trouble in the third inning um you're gonna see one of the true you know you might see curtis come in to get him out of trouble just to finish that inning and then maybe you see charlie morton for an inning or so i, I don't expect to see a lot of Morton, to be honest with you if morton's in the game uh it feels to me like something's gone wrong for the race uh, or, <laughs> or or that and that and martin morton's a great pitcher but you know what i'm saying he's on one day rest yeah. and he had a shoulder issue like a month ago so if morton's in the game uh, or or it's extra innings extra extra innings so 
my my uh, the way I imagine it for the Rays, if things go pretty well, is Glass now and maybe just the other three guys that I mentioned. Um, but but I think Snell's in play. I, I, you know, he's he's really good. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, you know, he's still Blake Snell, and he had a good year, not a 2018 Cy Young Award year, but he had a he had a good year. And and maybe it's just you know if Gardner's hitting eighth and Hicks is third, maybe it's just bring him in to face Gardner. And then Aaron Boone's forced into a decision, and then he gets Higashioka and what would it be, LeMayhew, Judge, mm-hmm. and Hicks turn turn Hicks around, and maybe that's it for Snell. Who knows? Um, I, I'll tell you, it wouldn't shock me, and I know this is crazy. It wouldn't shock me if McClanahan makes his way into this game. Yeah. I think Kevin really likes McClanahan, and if he's looking for a power arm, he might say, "I don't care if it's a righty, you know, Cash. I don't care if it's a righty or a lefty. I think this guy can get outs." But um, somebody might have to be in there. Could be Snell, could be McClanahan, could be Curtis, could be any one of a number of guys in the middle innings. Now, Dan, we've, we've talked about the pitchers, but I've got to hear your thoughts on the performance of Randy Rosarena this postseason and what he's done. Yeah, up until game four, remarkable. Like the best player on the planet, remarkable. And, and you know, so eventually I looked at his minor league numbers and he's hit everywhere that he's gone. Like he's always been a good player. And when I heard about the trade, the first thing I heard is Jose Martinez was traded to Tampa Bay. Yeah, and then the second part, yeah, because he was a big leaguer, right? And and yeah. and I thought, perfect fit for the Rays. Uh, American League player, this is before we knew there was going to be a DH in both leagues. So American mm-hmm. League player, like not really a defensive guy, but again, another piece of the puzzle, a guy who will just destroy lefties, a specialist. And then I said, okay, who went back the other way? And I looked up Matthew Libertor, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Mm-hmm. You know, one yep. of the top pitching prospects. And to me, that was the trade. I didn't know much about a Rosarena. He had like 23 plate appearances last year or something. Um, and uh, the Blue Jays played all 10 of their games against the Rays earlier in the year when a Rosarena yeah. was still out with COVID. Mm-hmm. So the first time I called a game that he was in was game one of the playoffs against the Blue Jays. And you know, whack, whack, and he hasn't stopped hitting. So he looks really good. I mean, nobody stays this hot, obviously, but he's a good player. And uh, I know they think he's a good player. And whether he's always a number three hitter and an everyday guy remains to be seen. You know, crazy stuff happens in small sample sizes, both positively and negatively. Um, but he's doing great. He had a home run off Cole in game one, and he's been a he's been a big story for them, especially with Brandon Lau struggling like he has to have a Rosarina step up has been big. Does Lau look right to you? I, I'm sure you've seen him a ton. He doesn't. He looks like he's a little jumpy. He's rolling over on ground balls. Um, I, I always think, and, and, you know, I never played baseball at any meaningful level. I always think that when you get in a slump, the best thing to do is just try to hit, hit a line drive the other way or hit one up the middle. Just try to put a good swing on the ball and hit a line drive somewhere. But he's not even making hard contact. He doesn't look right at all. The, the only insight we got was before game three we asked cash about it and he said like he's wearing it pretty good he's grumpy right now i mean he knows he's he was the best player on the team this year the best position player on the team uh, and they need him and it's not going to get any easier against garrett cole so um he's been beaten on velocity a couple of times he's uh, a few times he's rolled over on off-speed stuff and he just looks like he's he's thinking instead of just letting his you know his natural ability take over um, and it's too bad. You feel for him. I feel for any guy who's a really good player who is not able to do what he normally does in big moments, because right. then the natural thing to do is for people like us to talk about. 
And, uh, but he's, you know, he's got more chances coming and, you know, he'll be in there and presumably he'll be batting second like he always does. And, and he's always a candidate to come up with a big hit. Dan, before, before we let you go, these, this is not the Rays of old. Evan Longoria is not here. Ben Zobris, James Shields, David Price. And this is a team that last few years, they've kind of been in transition. But these last two or three seasons, they seem to have established a core. Out of that core, who do you see as, as the face of the team? Wow. Um, that's, a, that's an interesting question because to me, it was Longoria over the years. Um, usually, I feel the face of a team is a position player. It's easier to kind of assign that role to them. Um, you know, Snell and Glass now uh, might be as well known as anybody on the team. Um, but I, I, I don't know who the face of the team is. You know, is Kevin Cash an acceptable answer? I mean, he's been Definitely. here, you know, he's been there six years. And everybody talks about, you know, all the moves he makes and, and, and all the great things that he does. Maybe it's Kevin Cash. And, and I don't know if that's uh, uh, an appropriate answer or not. If you ask me in a couple of years, I have a feeling it'll be Wander Franco, but we're not having that yeah. conversation yet. So, but to me, that's one of the strengths of them. I asked Kevin yesterday, who's, um, you know, I guess Kiermaier in a way would be, I mean, he's well-known yeah. and he's mm-hmm. been there for six years, but I, I asked Cash yesterday on our Zoom, uh, who are, who's, who are the leaders? Is Kiermaier one of the leaders? And he, and he said, and I know Kevin is, and, and he goes, yeah, Kiermaier is, and Charlie Morton is. He said, but it's really not that kind of a team. It's mm. the kind of a team where everybody just wants to be together and everybody wants uh, to be on the same page and, you know, pointed in the same direction. And that's one of the strengths of the team. Again, going back to the first thing we talked about, about all 28 players contributing and all the pieces of the puzzle fitting. They don't rely on two, four, six, eight guys. They rely on 28 guys more than any other team that I know. And, you know, so maybe it's a credit to them that there is no distinct face of the team. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Danny, you got anything else? Uh, I mean, I just want like all of your knowledge. I mean, you've been calling the World Series for what, 10 years uh, on the radio? This year will be my 10th, yeah. Gosh, that's so exciting. And I'm just imagining going through the history of all the teams that you've seen play. Um, Is there, I, I, we're going to get out of the spreadsheets for a second. Our, our, our readership, our, our website loves getting into the stats, but I'm literally just thinking about the chemistry of the team. And when you're talking about 28 dudes relying on one another, it's not just one guy. Is there something that you can see or feel about a team? You're like, this team's got it. Like the nationals last year, like they had chemistry. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's sometimes, you know, that's, uh, you know, when the narrative fits, you you, you kind of go there afterwards. But I'm a big, I mean, it's funny, like I was a math major in college. And on the one hand, I love the numbers. But on the other hand, I totally buy in on teamwork and chemistry and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and the Nationals did have it. Like, they had just great veteran guys like Esdrubal Cabrera and Howie Kendrick. I mean, real leaders. Like, like if in a major league player tells me we wouldn't be here without that guy and points at Howie Kendrick. 
not so much because he hit a home run off the foul pole in whatever game it was or the World Series, but, you know, just what he's done for the young players and the clutch moments. Like if a big league ball player tells me it's real, then to me it's real. Not to say spreadsheets aren't real, but I think both have a lot of value. Um, I think the Kansas City Royals team that won the World Series had it. I, I think they mm -hmm. had a tremendous amount of that. Um, and, and I think the Blue Jay team I'm covering has it. They're a little young to really get where they want to get, but they've got some really good things going on. They got rid of some guys who had complicated personalities, and, and they brought in <laughs> real character guys. And, and, and I think all that stuff does matter. A a absolutely. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the pitcher's holding the ball and the hitter's trying to hit the ball. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a team sport with a lot of individual moments in it. But if all 28 guys are on the same page, you know, if, if Mike Brasso accepts his role, if Hunter Renfro accepts his role, if Michael Perez accepts his role, they're going to thrive in it. Um, you know, Ryan Yarbrough got it yet. Now they didn't win the game, but Ryan Yarbrough knew exactly what the deal was. He's been, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's been conditioned to understand the situation yesterday. Um, and, and that's a part of what makes the Rays a good team. This is my job. This is what my team needs me to do. And I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And that's it. That like, that's the whole thing. And, and, um, uh, that's what one of the things that makes the Rays really good. So, yeah, I, I, I believe in all that stuff. I, I think that, um, you know, if, if the guys uh, are all on board, on the same page, really playing for each other, I, I think that can help. So the players have started calling themselves the stable. Have you followed that narrative? Oh, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know the story. Are yeah. you allowed to hype that up when uh, so Kevin Cash's comments were related to the Yankees, you know, being upset and throwing inside and it was a little bit of a threat right to uh uh that the race could respond with physical violence right with hitting players with baseballs right. so right. are you allowed to revel in that as a broadcaster I, I didn't revel in it um i i don't ever believe there's a reason to to intentionally throw a baseball at another human being uh, right. mm -hmm. whether it's chapman or a race pitcher or anybody I didn't revel in it, I, but, uh, you know, I can give out the information as a matter of fact because um, it's central to the reason why these two, these two teams don't like each other. So it's, it's part of the story. Uh, but I, I, I wouldn't revel in it. Um, I don't think I mentioned the T-shirts. Uh, I think in game one I talked about, um, you know, what had gone on between the teams. And then, of course, I revisited it last night when Chapman came into the game briefly. Uh, right. because Chapman hadn't pitched in the series and Chapman faced Brasso last night. So, um, you know, you can tell the story without reveling in it. And, and uh, so I, I, I just <laughs> pass along the information. And Dan, last question, you know, regular season baseball, it felt different, but not too different than without fans. Now we're into the postseason when in baseball, you have some of the most incredible atmospheres in the country for sporting events. We don't get that this year. Players aren't playing in their home ballparks. What have you seen that's, that's the biggest difference in terms of how it affects the game? Well, I give the, uh, the players a lot of credit. You know, they, and, and I'm sure there were times during the regular season they kind of had to manufacture the adrenaline because it just felt weird. Um, you know, I called all 60 Blue Jay games off a monitor, and I'm calling um, all the ESPN radio games off a monitor in Bristol, Connecticut. It's weird, mm -hmm. um, but it's better than nothing. So uh, I give the players a lot of credit. Uh, what seems different now is uh, well we can hear that you know the yelling and cheering from the dugout you can hear the umpire turn to the dugout and say that was low or something like that like you can hear all that stuff which is kind of cool actually 
Um, and obviously outfielders are communicating easier. I've seen a few examples of that where clearly you can tell that there's more communication on the field than there otherwise would be. Um, beyond that, uh, you know, I think it's benefited the Houston Astros, the fact that they haven't had to play in any hostile environments because they certainly would have this year. And I think it's cost some teams some home field advantages. Um, you know, there are certain teams, and I think both of the teams in this series are really good in their own park. They have they have distinct advantages in their own ballparks because they have learned how to play in their own ballparks. So, you know, everything's just kind of a little more neutral. And I have to sit there when I do my scorecard every day and remind myself who the home team is. So I put them on the right side <laughs> of the scorecard. So that's really my biggest concern because I did it backwards once this year when the Blue Jays had a doubleheader in Philly, but one of the games was a Blue Jay home game and I no. did my whole card the wrong way and then I had to start all over again. So, you know, it's the little things, but um, everybody's doing the best they can. The players, the broadcasters, MLB's people, all the team officials. And uh, I'm sure like you guys, I'm just grateful that we got, we have baseball right now. Yeah. Are you allowed to make a prediction? Uh, I guess I'm allowed, but I choose not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never, yeah. Nobody's ever said, don't make a prediction. But I, um, I don't think I've, uh, I don't think I've ever made a prediction for a game that I've done. Um, yeah, I will tell right. you. Yeah, I will tell you though that you know, like I said, I've always been, uh, and I'm not saying they're going to win tonight, but I've always, I, I've always been really high on the Rays. Like I think for a national broadcaster, I don't know if you'll find someone who knows the Rays as well as I do because I've just because I've done them so many yeah. times. You know, the first week of the season, I do a podcast, and I had Kevin Kiermeyer on the podcast. And my premise to him was the weirder the season is, the crazier things are, the more rule changes they put in, the more that benefits Tampa Bay. Because other teams will be like, oh, we got to do this and we got to go there. And Tampa Bay's like, okay, no problem. Because they're used to being different. They're used mm -hmm. to thinking outside the box. And, you know, Kevin Cash will be moving the pieces around on the chessboard tonight. We know that. I, I don't know who's going to win. I mean, you know, you guys know as well as I do, the Yankees could come out and hit three home runs in the first inning. They're the Yankees, right? So um, these are two really good teams. It feels like this should be um, an ALCS, not an ALDS. It really does. But, um, you know, the Yankees uh, weren't, weren't good enough during the regular season to, uh, although I guess with the playoff format, that would have been extremely difficult anyway. So yeah. it is what it is that they're playing now. I root for one thing and one thing only every time I do a winner-take-all game. And that's just to have a good game. I don't want either team to get five sure. first inning. I, I want, uh, you know, I want the tying run on base with two down in the ninth inning, whether it's top or bottom, whatever, in the ninth inning. Uh, that's the kind of game I think this series deserves. Well, Dan, thank you so much for, for joining us today. And uh, best of luck on the call tonight in game five. All right. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Awesome.